the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Friday. We made it through the week. That is, of course, a very good thing. And before us, for most of us, lays a a three-day weekend. Uh, Monday will be an off day because it is Labor Day. Uh, I will be back on Tuesday. Uh, Elizabeth Sotolaro will be uh, with me along with the Bible guys. They'll uh, make their appearance here as well. And uh, we'll get back into it live on Tuesday. Uh, The uh, Car and truck diver, uh, divers, drivers uh, will be uh, doing their thing by uh, a best of show on Saturday because all of them are going to the lake or to be barbecuing out or, or whatever. Today is a special day for me. Uh, I, you who have listened to this show for a long time, remember back in, uh, oh my, I got to go back now, what, 2000 and five, six, maybe a little later than that. I used to have a youth panel on my show, and there were people uh, above me who said, Dave, don't do it. Nobody, people won't listen to a bunch of high school kids talking about uh, uh, politics. Well, they were wrong. I mean, they really were wrong. It became uh, a very strong segment on the Dave Ellswick show, Josh Mesker and Christian and some other folks are on, but there was another young lady that joined us by the name of Whitney Davis. Whitney, how you doing? I'm good. Thank you for having me, Dave. It's good to have you back on. It's good to hear your voice again. Uh, I got to ask you to tell us here in just a moment a little bit of your life's journey, because I could not believe when I was looking at Facebook the other day and I saw you celebrating your 30th birthday 30 30. and then I thought to myself Dave you're 67 dummy (laughs) you know it's not like all of us are getting younger we're all getting older how old were you when I first brought you on were you 16 or 17 I think I was a little older I think it was around the tea party days uh, like 2009 so I'd say 19 ish okay well you're still in high school now You were in high school still when you came on. So, ah, okay, then maybe 18. Yeah, I think he was 18, because that was part of my whole thing about a youth panel, is I wanted high school students, and your name came up from some people, and I, I gave you a call and had you come in, and 
you really enjoyed uh, appearing on the show and talking politics, as does Josh Mesker. He got in, and Christian got in it too. Christian was he was more of our typical conservative. Josh was conservative with libertarian meet, uh, leanings, and uh, I was watching you, and you reminded me of when I was younger, and and you were kind of a radical. <laughs> are you are That's you still are you are you still a radical? I'm pretty radical. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I got. I, I I want to talk to you about that because y- you wrote uh, a mischief on Facebook that I read, and I thought to myself, you know, this is why I had you on my show because you use some common sense when you looked at some of the things that are going on. Uh, before we get into talking with Whitney, let me tell you that the guy who shot. Uh, the, the the gentleman in Portland, uh, they tracked the, the shooter down, and evidently pulled a he pulled a weapon. Didn't surprise me that he did. He was a true believer, and uh, he was shot dead by uh, U.S. Marshals uh, last night. I want to read something that he said to the Oregonian. Uh, that's the state newspaper in Oregon, and here's what he said. He said, "I'm 100% Antifa all the way." Every revolution needs people that are willing and ready to fight. There are so many of us uh, protesters that are just protesting without a clue of where that will lead. That's just the beginning. That's where the fight starts. If that's as far as you can take it, thank you for your participation. But please stand aside and support the ones that are willing to fight. I am 100% Antifa all the way. I'm willing to fight my, for my brothers and sisters. We do not want violence, but we will not run from it either. Today's protesters and Antifa are my brothers in arms. When you hear that, uh, Whitney, uh, it makes my blood run cold. I saw this back in the 60s. Now I'm seeing it again here, and we're in the 21st century. And he makes a very... Very telling remark when he makes the statement, uh, there are so many of us protesters that are just protesting without a clue of where that will lead. Now, you talk to Antifa people. You've talked to Black Lives Matter people. I mean, are you still living up in the Seattle area? So I just moved outside of Seattle, but I'm about 20, 30 minutes outside. I moved last week because of all this. Um, I lived in the Capitol Hill area, so about a 20-minute walk from where Chaz Chop was. And I actually attended the first Black Lives Matter protest in Seattle back in May in downtown Seattle. Okay. And everything was fine for about four hours. As you know, I'm a libertarian, so I do believe in police reform. I believe in police accountability. But then... As the protest was winding down, that's when Antifa came in and started lighting cars on fire and smashing buildings and things like that. And I haven't been to a protest since then. Um, so I've, it's really frustrating <laughs> because um, I want to support police accountability, but not when you're rioting and damaging small businesses and seeking out people who oppose you and essentially assassinating them. 
that's how terrifying that is. Mm-hmm. And you can't get, I, you can't get get good people to protest with you whenever they're in danger, just to support your cause. So, um, that's a little background on where I've been with this whole thing. Is it's been hard and frustrating. But then the other day, I felt I was a little bit triggered because I was seeing some of the destruction going on in other areas of the country. And there was an older man that was defending his business, trying to put fires out, trying to disperse the crowd with a fire extinguisher, and he just got clocked in the face. (laughs) And that's kind of what set me off because, you know, my family owns a small business and all he was doing was trying to defend his business. And we were over here, not only destroying his property, but hurting him. And I've heard, I've heard from coworkers. I've heard from some of my non-libertarian friends try to justify these riots by saying, well, small businesses have insurance, so it'll just cover the damage. What's a bigger deal is, um, you know, the lives that were lost, but that's just not true. And I don't want to keep perpetuating that to justify all this violence. And it's, and it's, random violence there's nothing targeted about it it's just anger and smashing and damage and no to me i don't see the purpose i know they do have a purpose but um just to clear things up businesses likely don't have insurance that cover riot damage and if they did it might not cover it 100 percent. and if it did who knows how long it would take to fix it and the emotional damage that comes with that with building up a small business for years. There's so much that people don't consider. You're actually ruining their livelihoods. You are hurting them. And and so that's kind of what my my Facebook rant was about there. Well, it was a good one because, uh, you know, you could relate to the small business owners. And I've been talking about that all along. And what really bothered me is that the people that were covering these these riots weren't calling them riots. These people that were destroying, they weren't saying they were destroying. And to hear people say, like in Chicago here just recently, go out and loot and pillage and do whatever you want because they've got, they've got insurance is just BS. It's pure BS. Right. And then just, I, yeah, I... I, I got away from, look, I was a person who uh, was part of Students for a Democratic Society when I was in college until they left, until they went so far left, I couldn't support them anymore. When they became a communist front organization, I was done with them. And then out of them came uh, the weathermen. I mean, I'm seeing the same progression that I'm seeing I'm seeing right now with Black Lives Matter. I mean, all you got to do is read what Black Lives Matter stands for. And they're sure not a a free market organization, Whitney, at all. You know, Mm -hmm. they they want to tear down the American family. They want to tear down uh, businesses. They want to tear everything down that makes America great. And then you got Antifa who I don't think they even know what they believe in. They just are uh, mad people that are going out and doing, uh, you know, angry things. And on top of all of that, uh, 
people's lives are being destroyed now. This is not good, what's going on on the ground level. And it's not a large group of people, thank God, but it's a significant group of people. Right. It's significant enough to cause so much damage and and fear. I mean, there are a lot of people moving out of Capitol Hill, as I, as I learned when I was looking for apartments across the the lake. A lot of people are moving out. Things have changed. People don't feel safe in the area. Um, there's also more trash and more tents and and homeless and things like that ever since Chaz Chop was torn down. So, you know, I, I'm generally okay with building bridges with people that disagree me, disagree with me on, you know, one or two issues. But if it comes at the expense of, you know, a small business destruction, my parents' small business destruction or the damage, um, of their business, it's not worth building a bridge to me anymore. I I really tried to hold on to that bridge for police accountability, and it's just not it's not there anymore, and I can't support it. What do you think about? Uh, and, and we'll take a break here, but we'll come back. I'll let you think about this a little bit, and then we come back. We'll talk about it. You know that I've talked about police accountability for a long time mm-hmm. and, 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 and said that there's things that have to change. And uh, perhaps we're going to see some of that change, but the way they're going about it can force people into the position of we're, we're not going to change, damn it, not if you're going to do it this way as right. far as that's concerned. So let's uh, let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk about that. Whitney Davis is my guest. I'm glad to have her. I can't wait till I can be back in studio and she comes back to visit and I can get her in studio again and I can I can hug her neck because she's very she's just a very good friend. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll be back and talk to her further here on the Dave Ellswick show. 22 minutes after 6, there's some of you that are listening today and saying, you've got Whitney Davis on, this is so cool. Because you all remember Whitney back in uh, 2008, 2009, and 2010. And how long did you stay with me? It was about until you went to to uh, university up there at U of A the first time, correct? Right, and I think I even came back sometimes. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you you can come back now, just as we're doing right now. You're always welcome right. on my show. You know that. And uh, oh. this is this is great. I I really appreciate you giving me the time uh, to sit and talk. Now, when we left, I was talking to you about you know the you know, Antifa, and I'm talking about Black Lives Matter. A few weeks ago, they had like sixty and eighty percent positives when people were were uh, uh, talked to about them. Now, in areas uh, where this violence has occurred, uh, they have a zero. I mean, people have really turned against them because of what what has what has occurred. So let me just ask you where you think they're going. And do you believe there's a large enough group that's going to follow them? Or are they going to be kind of like, I don't know if you if you've done any reading about the 60s, about the weathermen and things of that nature, that was a very small, you know, group of people. And, uh, you know, the uh, the federal agents, you know, went out and, and they got them. 
and uh, a lot of them went to jail. Some of them didn't. Heirs didn't go to jail, should have, but didn't. And, uh, you know, is that what the future holds for Antifa and Black Lives Matter, do you believe? If they're going to jail? Yeah. Man, it's really not looking like it. Okay. <laughs> Unfortunately. But, but you're right. I mean, um, it, it's hard to support these people in this cause. I think it started out, you know, it's short for anti-fascist. So how right. can anybody be against anti-fascists? And then you realize that they're actually... They are the fascists. Right. <laughs> that's <laughs> exactly. a key. And that's where the tides kind of turn on them. Um, I haven't seen, as far as the the local cities, take any action. Um, And so I think it's really going to come down to, you know, is Trump going to do something? And does it look good if he does something right before the election or does it look bad on him? That's a really hard thing to weigh on. so that's where, man, I I really don't know how far this is going to go. What I do like that President Trump has done is that he's threatened to cut funding from these states that aren't doing anything about the riot. Yep. Well, I I want to cut funding anyway, so if this is the reason, then I am all for it. Right. Um, and I think that is a good way to go about this without bringing in troops and looking like a dictator to Mm -hmm. people who might be on the fence. And it's funny because it really, did you see Cuomo's reaction? No, he's, I don't, I don't pay attention to him. He's an idiot. (laughs) Oh yeah. He was, it was loose threats to the president that if he ever set foot in the city, he better have someone protecting him. And and so you can see it really hurts them. And maybe they'll address it there because I would prefer to address this locally, but it, they shouldn't be allowed to continue. So it's even getting hard for me as, you know, a libertarian that doesn't want to bring in federal troops to a city area that has, you know, local issues. But I... I'm not sure. That's that's kind of why we moved out. I'm afraid that come November, whatever the results are, are not going to be safe in Seattle. And I think Antifa is going to play a big part of that. So if Trump is reelected, which I think he's going to be, and I, I, I base my, my whole belief on that and have been for, for months, in that all these uh, uh, protests that have turned violent – I take you back to 65 to 69 when it was the anti-war movement at that time, doing the exact same thing that's being done by Black Lives Matter and Antifa right now. And who got elected in 72 because of it? It was the person who said that they were the law and order person, and his name was Richard Nixon, and he defeated George McGovern, who was uh, at that time one of the biggest radicals ever uh, that ran for the office of president. So um, I think we're going to see a replay of that 1972 election, to be honest, because see if you agree with me or not. we got news coming up. I believe America is center right 
people like law and order. They want to be able to go about their lives and not have to worry that somebody's going to stick a gun in their ribs or going to burn down their business or whatever. And they want their government to want to uh, stop that uh, from happening, not uh, kind of be complicit by not by turning a, a blind eye to it. And uh, we're going to see the pendulum swing from uh, the Antifa and Black Lives Matter folks, and it's going to swing back towards the right, towards the people who believe in, in uh, law and order. Now, my biggest worry is that it swings too far right, and, uh, you know, it's never good to go either direction too far. It, it causes problems no matter what. But you got to have law and order. People have got to feel safe. That That's one of the things that... Uh, this this country's always uh, stood for. So you go and uh, are you drink? Do you guys are you drinking coffee or not? I'm drinking water right now. <laughs> okay. Well, enjoy your glass of water, and, um, and and we'll be back in a moment. I I've already had three cups of coffee, so I've moved to Diet Coke. So I'll I'll, I'll suck down some Diet Coke. I'm going to go check and see how the markets are doing, and we'll be back here in five minutes to talk further here on the Dave Ellswick Show. My special guest and very special indeed, Whitney Davis here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Hey, if you just joined us, it's uh, now 25 minutes to 7, by the way. Uh, I got a special guest with us. Uh, Whitney Davis is uh, here. We haven't talked probably in three or four years, and I got a hold of her on Facebook yesterday, asked when she's going to be back in the area, and uh, she told me she was going to be here this weekend, and I said, you want to do something by phone? And she said yes, so it's great to hear her voice. She had written a very... Uh, interesting mischief on Facebook about how she initially had uh, supported Black Lives Matter and even Atifa, but now that she's seen these small businesses being attacked and hearing Black Lives Matter say the some of the stupidest things I've heard in a long time about how, well, they all have uh, insurance, and so they're not going to lose anything uh, which is absolutely wrong, and Whitney knows that because her parents are small business owners, and she looked at him and said, hey, uh, can't do this anymore. Uh, she, For the first time in my life, I heard you say it sounded like to me that you were burning bridges with those people. Am I right? Right. Absolutely. Okay, well, yeah, that's it, good people to burn justify. bridges with. <laughs> right. Yeah. Hey, by the way, you flew out here from uh, Seattle. Did you feel comfortable flying? Yeah. Um, well, I'll say this. I I felt comfortable flying. Um, I, I, I take the coronavirus seriously. I'm assuming that's what uh, that was about. But um, I also know, like, <laughs> I'm pretty young and pretty healthy. I, I, um... I'm not super worried about it otherwise, but I will say if you do want to fly, I flew American. I do not recommend flying American because they pack you in like sardines. Okay. But um, I have flown United and Delta in the past couple of months, and they leave the middle seat out and things like that if anyone wants any precautions like that. So, yeah, it's been all right. Yeah. You've, have you flown Southwest? Not since the pandemic, no. 
Yeah, that's my that's my carrier of choice. If I'm going to fly, which I will in December because I'm flying out to uh, Orlando, and you're going to like this. Uh, I'm taking part in a special event they're having at Universal Studios, and they only sell X amount of tickets to this. I mean, it's like 2,000 tickets total, and they, for two nights and two days you get uh, those 2,000 people get complete run of Universal Studios, and all the rides are free. Wow. All the, all the food is free. I mean, uh, it's not cheap to go to, but I thought, I told I told uh, Linda, I said, we got to go do this. This is, you know me in movies, so I'm I'm looking forward <laughs> to it. I'm, I'm, I'm going out there and, and party with all the people out there and, and have fun <laughs> on the rides and stuff. Because I haven't been out since they opened up Hogwarts, and I got to go to that. I have got to go ride a broom. Absolutely. Can we get a picture of that? <laughs> yeah, I'll make sure there's a picture of that. And I'll, and I'll show you the one of Pelosi next to me. But, yeah. <laughs> So so anyway, yeah, it's that's what I'm doing uh, with my extra vacation days I'll have left after this one that's coming up. We go to, we try to go to Florida uh, right after Labor Day because at that point all the kids, the college kids, usually have vacated the beaches and they're not as uh, as crazy a- a- at that point. So let's just talk about political thought in our country right now. Where do you think America is uh, 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 talking about uh, America? I mean, you got, you got people like me who believe in the founding fathers, people who believe what they did uh, was was one of the greatest things that ever happened. And then you got the cancel culture that want to go in and get rid of George Washington uh, from his name from from high schools and grade schools and whatnot and whatnot. Uh, you know, where is this country at? Are we going to just keep banging heads over this stuff? Well, obviously it's turning to violence now. So it it, it seems like it's trending that way. I, I feel that the time for, you know, discussion of ideas is almost over. And I, I hate to be doomsday, but that's kind of how I feel. Um, you know, you said we're right of center, and I think you're onto something. And I would even add to that that I think the whole spectrum has shifted a little to the left. Okay. So, you know, the left has gotten so far left that the liberals back in, you know, 10 years ago are identified more with Republicans now than they do with the Democrats and with the far left there. You know, I'm seeing a lot of YouTube personalities and um, alternative media that worked for CNN or worked for MSNBC quit and start their own channels. And, and they're identifying as classical liberals, um, which (laughs) is kind of more libertarian. And I'd say, you know, you and I are kind of more classical liberals. I think it's bringing the same liberals to conservatism, to the right. Um, So we'll see. But I I do, maybe I'm a little biased because I live in Seattle, or I did live in Seattle, and I saw the violence there, and I saw massive crowds. It wasn't just you know, 20, 30 
people um, at the Capitol and things like that. I mean, massive crowds supporting BLM. It's dwindled down a little bit, um, but they still speak through violence and not through their own words. I don't think someone could go there and have, you know, a normal conversation and say, hey, I'm a Trump supporter. I want to talk to you. <laughs> There's no way. Um, so it, it makes the future look scary for me. Okay. So how does that, how does that paint your future? Do you want to, do you want to get married? Do you want to have kids? Do you think that this country is going to be a good place to raise kids when you got a, a school system that seems like to me has become really, uh, you know, federally in, indoctrination when you send your kids to a school? I mean, how, how do you feel about all of that? Oh, man, this is probably a scary time to ask me that. But okay. I, I do want to get married. I do want to have kids. I, but, you know, after all of this going on, I, I, I never did want to settle down in Washington. But that time of moving is probably pulling in sooner um, if the violence continues. Um, and even draconian laws like the lockdowns that are going on in Washington are some of the worst around the country. And if that continues for much longer, it's going to make life even harder. So um, I, I think there's still good areas of the country for, for several years <laughs> where you can okay. raise children. Um, and I'm also reading, I'm almost done with Ron Paul's new book on uh, education reform and homeschooling and things like that. And I, I think there's, especially because, you know, schools are being shut down or they're teaching from home and things like that, more and more parents are seeing how they can homeschool their kids in unique and creative ways. And I think there's going to be a shift um, because of that. And, and that's kind of a silver lining out of that. A kind of an interesting story uh, has has come out of that. Uh, let me um, got to move over and find it real quickly here. Uh, Elizabeth sent it to me, and I'm looking for it right now. So just give me a chance to to find it. Here it is. Uh, the Federalist published a story. It says, thanks to the coronavirus panic, one in ten American families is now homeschooling and i've talked about this in the past this is good this is mm -hmm. not bad this is a good thing uh because we'll get back to uh parents actually being able to have all that time with their children and teach their children and make sure that they're 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 learning as far as i'm concerned uh the truth and and not uh you know zen's version of of history uh that book that they they through there that the left has thrown their arms around that America is bad and that, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we all have nothing more than white privilege and white allergies and all the rest of the things. And that this and that the founding fathers didn't have a good thought in their mind that all they were doing was protecting their, uh, you know, what they had. And I got to tell you, man, it, it, I just I'm stunned when I talk to some young people and they don't have any grasp on history whatsoever uh you lived out there in the belly of the beast for a while do those people have any grasp of what 
history really was about? It doesn't seem like it. What's interesting is, you know, life is nuanced, so I feel like you should at least be able to view history as nuanced. You know, slavery was bad, but our founding fathers' principles are good. Uh-huh. And it's okay to say both at the same time. I agree. And <laughs> I I posted something about um, a couple of the founding fathers and how they they were a good product of their time trying to dwindle down slavery. Um, of course, the best would have been abolishment, but they were a product of their time. And I couldn't even post something like that. You know, there were people around my age that were offended by that. And it's, it's mind boggling, you know, (laughs) we've got to be able to, to speak nuanced about this. So I don't think they understand it. (laughs) Yeah. Let me ask this question to you. We have 14 minutes to seven, by the way, for everybody, we got to get another break. We'll do it in a second. And, And that, that is, is this, yeah, now it's, you know, they want to burn down the founding fathers. It's it's like they can't understand that you you can't have freedom unless you understand that all 13 colonies had to agree to the Declaration of Independence. So they took the slavery clause out so they could move forward feeling that they could make those moves later on. Right. They didn't seem to be able to, it's as if people today cannot, and you're right about nuance, they cannot understand that, that, you know, it it was a, look, it was a long slog. It took us all the way to Abraham Lincoln and the Civil War, and we're still at it. Yeah. Yeah, and and people are still fighting for equality and things like that. That's, That's fine, but... I, and there's a grander historical context to everything. There's a grander historical context to slavery itself, which was a horrible institution, um, but it, it had been around for thousands of years before. There's a grander yep. uh, historical context to the founding fathers' principles. Those had been around actually for years before then. They drew um, from their own history. And yeah, then from Carta. their own experiences, <laughs> exactly. So, so it shouldn't just be thought of as you know this one slice of history. There's this whole molding of human thought and human experience into this great thing that we had um, that should be taken into consideration. If anything, you could see how much we've progressed and how good that is that we've progressed. Yes. Yeah, you're right. All right, let's take a break. Whitney Davis is my guest, and I'm really excited that she joined us today. I didn't know if she'd come on or not, but uh, she still likes me, so that's good. (laughs) So she's here with me today. We'll have a final segment with her, but as you listen to her talking today, you can understand why she was one of the most uh, uh, outspoken members of my my youth panel back in the day. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. I'm looking at about 12 minutes. Let's just say it's going to be, uh, we're looking 11 minutes till 7 right now here in central Arkansas. Traffic, weather, and everything else that we give to you. Let's get our break in here on 101.1 FM, The Answer.
All right, so Whitney Davis is with me. I, I, I know I'm going to ask her a question. I already know her, her answer. It's kind of a rhetorical question uh, with her. A Virginia shipyard worker was fired for refusing to remove his Trump, his Trump 2020 hat. A, uh, a worker at a Lion uh, grocery store quit when he was told that he had to take off the face mask that he wore uh, that uh, had the American flag on it. This guy was a veteran, and he says, hey, look, if I can't wear the American flag, I don't need to work here. And he quit on on uh, on the place. And it all, all of it happened because one person complained about what they were wearing. This cancel culture thing, uh, Whitney, has gotten out of hand. People don't understand uh, the cancel culture uses what they do to wield power, and uh, it, it's it's getting more and more dangerous now uh, out there uh, that these people have, a, I don't know, a lot of say in, in what's going on. Does that worry you? Yes. In fact, I have two Facebooks just because of this. I have my political Facebook, and then I have my family and friends Facebook where I added co-workers there. So uh-huh. my co-workers do not see my politics unless I post on Instagram, which has been more and more lately. But um, it's always concerned me, especially I'm in tech, and that's where I feel a lot of cancel culture happens or started was in tech. Um, but thankfully, I've worked for pretty good companies that won't just cancel you for that. Um, I think they don't, they also wouldn't want to get sued for a wrongful termination. Um, but it, it's a tough one because <clears throat> it's all about freedom of association. Everyone has freedom of association. Um, I just think we should value uh, civil discussion a bit more than what we do. And and not this outrage culture where we just assume that people are have the worst intentions and not try to understand where people come from. It's a really um, it's not a good culture, and it's also when you have politics invade your business too. Because I'm in tech, there's nothing to do with politics here, but for some reason, it is, and you have to hold a certain belief. Um, so it worries me, but I think I'm in a good spot at the moment, and I take all the precautions I can to make sure I won't go viral. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, I understand. What do you think about the cancel culture and how they've treated J.K. Rowling? I mean, J.K. Rowling says said being a woman is not a costume, and they went absolutely bat guano on her, and... Uh, you know, people saying I, I, I won't go to uh, I won't read any more Harry Potter books and all this other stuff <laughs> because she's a transphobe. What do you think about that? Isn't it funny? Isn't she pretty liberal, pretty left? She's real, uh, and real yeah, liberal. They just eat their own. <laughs> yes, they hilarious. do eat their own. Um, so I saw a commentary video of this LGBTQ activist who's a lesbian who's now Considering voting for Trump, I mean, because of things like this, she she made a video on J.K. Rowling, um, 
because this this idea of transphobia of mixing up the genders and again gender dysphoria is an actual mental issue but there's a difference between being actually having actual gender dysphoria and then just saying oh i'm a man i'm a woman and it, it, there's a fine line <laughs> there are different genders yeah. um it erases you know women so so if you're over here saying and i think that's kind of where jk rowling was coming from is you know women have their own accomplishments and then you come that's what she went on i mean look you know as well as i do we've been called flat earthers for a long time because we don't buy into everything they think about man-made global warming well you're worse than a flat earther if you think that a man yeah, isn't that crazy? <laughs> or, or have babies or yeah. whatever. Yeah, that... I believe it. If, if you think that you are it, you become it. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense anyway. Hey, we're out of time. I, I wish you could stay on another hour, but I've got other guests coming up, and I sure do appreciate you making yourself available to the show today. It was a lot of fun, and I really miss going on. Hopefully, we can do this again. So thanks for having I'll, me. I'll work. Uh, I'll work on it. You you text me. Let me know when in Thanksgiving you're coming, and I'll work with uh, Mesker and Christian. See if I can get them to come in the studio at the same time. How's that sound? Uh, that'd be a blast. Yeah, that'd be a good time. I'll get Paul Calvert. You know, I call Paul Calvert yeah. my old test my old testament prophet. So we'll get <laughs> we'll get. <laughs> We'll get Paul on as well. Maybe we all can go to dinner that night. Anyway, Whitney Whitney Davis, thank you so much for your time. You've been gracious in in giving your time to the show today. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dave. We'll talk to you later. All right, Whitney Davis, coming up, uh, Robert Steinbach and Chris Corbett are going to join us. 7.30, uh, State Senator Dan Sullivan. And the fight for freedom here in the state of Arkansas from the clutches of those who want to just keep this state closed down forever. That's all coming up in the next hour of the Dave Elfrick Show. Six and a half minutes past seven o'clock. Uh, you got about uh, 54 minutes to get to work at eight o'clock if you got to be in the office. If you just got to pull up at your dining room table, don't be hashing. Don't be worrying about it. You're going to be you're going to be all right. Hey, Robert Steinbach is here. Robert Steinbach is a legal uh, professor of Bowen School of Law. He's also a practicing attorney here in Arkansas. 
his opinions are his and his alone, and uh, not necessarily those of the school of law or the university. Chris Corbett with us out of uh, Cabot, or not Cabot, Conway, sorry. And uh, he, sorry. Uh, he, he, his opinions are his alone as well. Just so you'll know, he's a practicing attorney. His, his uh major emphasis is on engineering so he has joined us as well today and i was talking to chris and uh you know what's really real really weird now robert uh i've got a series of people that are uh in their 40s some in their 50s uh that are saying uh, uh, to me that they they're ellswick babies they used to listen to my show when their parents listened to my show picking them up from high school and things of that nature and and Whitney Davis was on with me today and she was part of my my uh, my youth panel you remember when I used to do that and and she uh, she's 30 years old now she's so she's, it's it just blew my mind when I saw that on Facebook that she's 30 years old now uh, turned 30 yesterday and uh, I, I got a hold of her by Facebook, and I said, "Hey, you got you got to come on." And she decided, and she said, "Sure." She was going to be in the area, and so I had her on by phone. And I'm going to try in um, in November, around uh, Thanksgiving, to have her, Josh Mesker, and uh, Christian on to uh, sit and talk. Uh, they were part of the uh, of our. Uh, our, our power panel of young people, and now they're all still involved in politics. It's it's incredible to me that that they're well, as still you know, doing Dave, that. Dave, as you know, Hannah Webb Howard, who was regularly on your show, I don't know if it was that panel or a different panel. Different. I panel. met her on your a uh, different panel. <clears throat> I met her on your show. That's the first time I ever met her. And turns out she's now, as you well know, a law student at the law school at which I teach and the founding president of the Second Amendment Society (laughs) at the Bowen Law School. Uh, And so it's it's really a wonderful cultivation that you do of young conservative minds. And relatedly, albeit somewhat different, as you may recall, my colleague, Josh Silverstein, who's a Democrat, uh, yeah, we, an unabashed we, Democrat. We brought him up this week, in fact. Is that right? Yeah. He, he used to listen to you in Chicago. He came yeah. to Little Rock, and he heard your voice by chance on the radio, and he said, I know that voice. So you're across the country, and as you remember also, I used to call in when I was doing a Fulbright scholarship from Poland. So you're across the world, and if you recall our sort of descriptor at the time that was dave ellswick worldwide and it's still the case today <laughs> i gotta jump in here because and chris yep. chris is here with us as well guys she said something that made me very very sad and that is now just so you'll know robert whitney just moved out of seattle she she's been working in seattle she's a uh, she's an engineer an acoustical engineer and she, wow. just moved, she just moved out of Seattle, and she was living in the Capitol Hills area uh, where CHOP and all of that stuff got started. And wow. uh, she said it, it just become, it became so dangerous 
that she felt that she, she they, they couldn't stay there. Her and her boyfriend couldn't stay there. So uh, they've moved about 35, 40 miles outside of Seattle. But here's what she said to me. She said, you, can't ex- you cannot exchange ideas anymore. No, you absolutely can't. not. Do you know, you know, both of you realize what that means. When you can't exchange ideas any longer, the only thing that's left is violence. Well, Dave, we've been discussing this on your show, I think, since I started coming on your show. And maybe you discussed it before, but I know since my presence on the show, we've been discussing this. I, and I told you and your audience many times before that, tragically, my father lived under both Nazi and Soviet control during World War II. Uh, speaking about age, right? My dad was uh, older when he had me, and I am older uh, considerably than Whitney and your other listeners of that cohort. Right. And he lived under uh, pure fascism. By the way, fascism of the left, fascism of the right, doesn't matter. It's the same thing. Totalitarianism Uh, is totalitarianism. That's it. That's it. And that's the direction in which we're moving. I sent you an article this morning about some students at some school, maybe a law school, I don't remember, I don't care. Uh, they're saying, well, we need monitors in the classroom to monitor what the professor is saying to make sure he doesn't violate any of our rules. That, Dave, that's not like what happened under the fascist systems that I described. It is yes. what happened under the fascist systems that I described. They're not learning from those systems. They're copying those systems here in America. Well, Literally, gotta, this, go ahead. Well, with, ahead. The, with the cancel culture that's out there, Black Lives Matter, Antifa, I am surprised that we haven't had book burnings. I mean, seriously. I think we I'm, did. I think we literally had a book burning uh, that I saw on the Tucker Carlson show. I forgot the context. But there was a book burning. Man, when I see that stuff, I start getting real nervous, guys. Because and then there's, then there's everybody the thinks that, book burning. Yeah, everybody thinks that that stuff can't happen here. Oh, no. Yes, it can. All that needs to be done is for people like us to keep our mouths shut and not say anything about it. That's right. Look, there, there is effective book burning already. There was an article in the New York Times about how that conservative uh, fellow, um, or the, the New York, no, the New York Times, uh, how that conservative, Sullivan, Andrew Sullivan, was oh, yeah. fired now. He was fired now because 20-something years ago, he wrote about that now famous book called The Bell Curve. For those who don't know, The Bell Curve was a book that said that there are different outcomes in terms of uh, education uh, and other issues uh, that correlate with race. That's all he said. And And this is when he was working for Slate. And because he did not unequivocally reject all the notions in the bell curve. In other words, he said, look, I don't know, this, this is science or a scientific study. It may be a bogus scientific study, but it might not be, and I need to investigate that because he didn't reject it out of hand. And the left wants you to reject it out of hand because it doesn't fit their 
narrative. That's right. Because he'd been rejected out of hand 20 years ago, he was fired now. Literally. Literally. Tell me that's not the same as what goes on, uh, what went on in these totalitarian regimes. Well, remember what Andrew Sullivan said last week. He's writing for another uh, Internet company, and he made the statement, a political party that does not stand for law and order, that allows people to burn businesses down and, and uh, you know, destroy innocent people's lives, uh, a, a political party that does that shows that they have no legitimacy at all. And he was talking about the Democrats. That's Andrew That's Sullivan exactly right. talking about him. All right. Andrew Sullivan. Right. Are you familiar with Andrew Sullivan, Chris? I'm not. I've, I've, I've just wrote him down. I want to look him up. Yeah, he's, he's right, though. He's dead on. Law and order. You've got to yeah. have it. He's a lefty. I mean, he really is. I've had him on my show. But he's a person that, as you know, I said about Whitney when we were talking about what Whitney said, that you can still have a conversation with. Most people on the left, and the reason I don't have them on, you can't have a conversation with them anymore. I mean, they feel like they're right, and they believe that their truth, as they like to say, is right, even though their truth has nothing to do with the truth whatsoever. Dave, can I add one quick point to that? It's yeah. not that it's not only that they think they're right. I think I'm right, by the way. You think you're right. Chris thinks he's right. It's that because they think they're wait, right. Wait, wait, wait. Let me stop you right there. I yeah. don't think that I'm right. I know. Exactly. Beauty, <laughs> the, the, the importance of your statement reflects really the dynamic that's going on here, and that is that they not only think they're right the way you know you're right, the way I know I'm right, etc. Because of their view, of their position, they literally say, there's nothing subtle about it. They say, oh, your view, you can't speak it. Now, That's right. You're not allowed to say it out loud. Well, here's my response. Say my name. Say my name. Because <laughs> I am going to say my view. I agree with you guys. Okay, we got to get our first break in. Let's do that. Dan Sullivan's coming up at the bottom of the hour. I want to remind everybody about Dan's coming at state senator. And uh, I'm assuming that he's got more information about the lawsuit that's been brought against the Department of Health here in the, uh, uh, the state and uh, their unconstitutional keeping the state locked down. We're going to talk more about that at the uh, bottom uh, of the hour. But we still got a lot of time just to talk with with Robert and, uh, of course, with Chris. Uh, If you didn't hear the guy that shot the conservative guy in Portland was tracked down by the uh, U.S. Marshals Service and uh, was killed in a firefight overnight. I'm going to read. Protesters, Dave? What now? He was one of those peaceful protesters, right? Yeah, yeah. The guy yeah. was shooting at the cops? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, he I got was, it he, he I got was it one of those guys taking part in what CNN calls a 
fiery, peaceful protests. Yeah, fiery, um, peaceful. Yeah. <laughs> like jumbo shrimp, right? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty ugly. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. Let's talk about all of that when we come back. It is the Dave Ellswick Show here at 101.1 FM. Uh, the answer, glad that you joined us this morning. Don't forget about uh, Joel Johnson, Veronica Johnson, and the great folks at PI Roofing. Uh, your last defense against the elements is your roof for your home. And if you've seen any kind of leaks, and by the way, with all the rain we've had since last Thursday, if you got a leak in your roof, you've seen it by now. Uh, get it fixed. Have them come out and, uh, you know, and, uh, and fix it. You, you may not need a whole new roof, mainly just an area patched. I had to have an area patched on, on my roof because the uh, DirecTV uh, bracket that was on my uh, my roof had been blown around by the wind so much and rattled by the wind so much that uh, the area around the boat got bigger and water was getting into uh, my attic. Well, you want to stop that as soon as you can before you start uh, getting uh, things happening like, uh, you know, really bad, bad stains on the roof of a, of a, a bedroom or a kitchen in your house, living room, or perhaps get water down between the drywall in your house and mold starts forming. You want all that stopped. You want to be able to live in a clean, healthy environment. Uh, and uh, folks at PI Roofing can help you do that. You just got to call the number that I call. Seven, I'm going to give you my special number. That's right. 707 uh, 51. That's not special, by the way. Everybody uses it. 707 51. Or visit them online at piroofing.com. 23 minutes after 7 on a Friday. That makes this day a really good day. And not only is it a really good day, it's a super day. This is a super Friday. Let me explain why I say that, Robert and Chris. Mm -hmm. Because it's Friday. That's always a good day. For me, it's payday. So that makes it even better. But what makes it the best, it's Friday, it's payday, and it's the start of a three-day weekend. That makes it a fantastic Friday, to, to say the least, as far as I'm as I'm concerned, because we're going into Labor Day here uh, this weekend uh, in in our country. I hope that you get out and you take that to you know to the nth degree. I want you to grill a steak out. I want you to put your feet up. I want you to have uh, an adult beverage, whether that's a, a Diet Coke or a margarita or whatever. But I want you to have a good time. Uh, the price of gas is uh, steady. Uh, I think I, it's around uh, here in the local area. It's about $1.78 is what I've seen at most places. A little higher in some places, a little lower in other places. But about $1.78. And that's lower by about six cents. Excuse me. Of uh, last year, so uh, go out and do something, man. Go up to Heber Springs or head out to Hot Springs or or whatever. But have some fun this weekend. It's the end of summer, as they like to say. That's what it signals. First day of fall coming up on uh, what is it? September. 22nd. The reason I know that is that that's when I return from my vacation that I'll leave on a week from today. Uh, I'll come back on the air on the 22nd. That's the first day of fall. 
and fall is already in the air. I looked at the temperature guys, and they said we're not going to hit 90 anymore rest of the year. Wow. That's amazing. Fantastic. No. Oh, hotter the better. Come on, Chris. Hotter the my 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 truth says hot weather, brother. No, I'm just kidding you. I'm just kidding you. We were talking about people who say my truth during the break, and that's such a ridiculous statement. There is the truth, and there is non-truth. There is not your truth or my truth or whatever. Just uh, just being honest with you on that. 25 after 7. Let's get back in and, and talk a little bit further. This guy that was out in Portland and shot uh, an innocent guy uh, in a uh, protest that was going on. It was a Trump supporter. Uh, made a statement. I'm looking for it right now. Let me find it. i got to pull it up. Uh, about being There's an mem- article in New York Times. Times about him, and they keep calling him like a right wing something. But when uh, the guy that got the guy that shot him, the Antifa guy, they don't call him a left wing zealot. No, they they don't. Uh, you just got to read what he asked, what he believed. That that's what's really crazy. Uh, he was uh, uh, interviewed by the uh, Oregon newspaper, the Oregon uh, Oregonian, or whatever is is what uh, is the name of the paper. And uh, let me just read what he what he had to say. Every revolution needs people that are willing and ready to fight. There are so many of us protesters that are just protesting without a clue of where that will lead. That's just the beginning. That's where the fight starts. If that's as far as you can take it, thank you for your participation But please stand aside and support the ones that are willing to fight. I am 100% Antifa all the way. I'm willing to fight for my brothers and sisters. We don't want violence, but we'll not run from it either. Today's protesters and Antifa are my brothers in arms. Friends, that is a true zealot, I'm just telling you. And he proved it when he shot that guy twice. They got it on video. Right. And the New York Times article spends all the time, oh, well, she, he was there to de-escalate, and he was there to, to bring peace. Uh, and and then they, like, slip in. And by the way, he was carrying a gun. You know me. I'm not against carrying a gun. But yeah. all the things that they would vilify a conservative for were barely mentioned as asides. And he wasn't called a left-wing zealot, but the... The other, the guy he killed, he was a right-wing zealot, or words to that effect. The New York Times stopped being a news service maybe three years ago. They were always biased. All media is somewhat biased. But they stopped entirely being a news service. They are just a, uh, a mouthpiece for the left right now. Oh, yeah, you're, you're exactly right. They are left-wing activists now. That's right. Well, they fired anybody who dared to say anything even moderate. They fired the left-wing editor who had the temerity, I say sarcastically, to publish an op-ed from our senator, Tom Cotton. Yeah. And then that other lady left because uh, she would allow other thoughts to occur uh, in the newsroom. That's right. Barry White. 
Yeah, they drummed. They drummed uh, those people out. That's you right. Had no, no place to work with them. Guys, we have thirty seconds. We're going to get to rush. Let's do that, and then when we come back. Uh, We should be joined by State Senator Dan Sullivan. He's got new news, breaking news, and we've been breaking the news about what Dan Sullivan's been up to for quite some time. Uh, I saw your Twitter tweet the other day back to uh, uh, Wickline, uh, Robert. Nice job. And uh, we'll talk about that as well when we return. Robert Steinbach and Chris Corbett, my guests. we got time for Rush right now on 101.1 FM, The Answer. Hey, we got about 25 minutes to 8. If you're on the way to work, uh, take a look at your clock. 25 minutes to get to the job before you're going to be late. On the air right now, Robert Steinbach is with us. Uh, he, of course, is a law professor over at Bowen School of Law. His opinions are his and his alone and not those of the School of Law or the university. Chris Corbett is a practicing attorney, uh, and his specialty is in engineering. He lives in uh, Conway, and joining us from up in the Jonesboro area is a state senator. Uh, sorry, guys, I just uh, just got <laughs> yeah, a weird senator text. Dan Sullivan. Yeah, Dan <laughs> Sullivan is here. I got a weird text all of a sudden jumped up. Oh, uh, okay. And then uh, I got numbers for you. Uh, the new jobs report coming out this uh, this week uh, for last month. One point, nearly one point four million jobs were created. And uh, the unemployment rate has dropped to 8.4%. Uh, if you look at all of that information and look at where we were uh, when COVID uh, came on and everybody said, we got to shut down the economy, uh, we're about halfway back. And uh, I think that we can agree with the president that this is going to be a V recovery. We went straight down into the dumpster. We're going to come straight out of the dumpster uh, with the economy of the United States. Just uh, Friday of last week, we made up all the losses uh, in the stock market that we had when COVID started, and we're now adding to this year. So the, this is good good news. The economy is coming back. But for the, the economy to really come back, States have got to open, and uh, there's a lawsuit that I'm a co-defendant on, in fact, that Dan Sullivan... Plaintiff, co-plaintiff. Or plaintiff, yeah, that, uh, mm-hmm. that uh, he made, uh, uh, got out there uh, against the uh, Department of Health, and that is, let's get this, we gotta, we got to get this uh, state back open, but to do that, we got to get everybody involved, and that includes the legislature, because the governor hasn't let the legislature literally do anything. And I, and and he's been running it himself, uh, and uh, through the people in the, the, the Department of Health. You know, Dan, you guys had a a rally yesterday about this. You had several hundred people show up about it. Uh, bring us up to date on the lawsuit and what's going on. Sure, and, and by the way, I appreciate you joining that lawsuit and uh, bringing your name uh, to this and and, the, and your listeners. We had so many people uh, responding and supportive. We had about uh, several hundred people there and several thousand watching online. Uh, but we had uh, Senator Stubblefield spoke and spoke powerfully. Uh, Representative uh, Brant Smith spoke and spoke powerfully. Uh, about the need for the governor to include the legislature in this process. And, you know, Dave, the people who are opposing 
legislative involvement actually just oppose democracy. That's all we're asking. And for those that uh, say, well, you're not epidemiologists and we're not uh, doctors, well, true. But we're legislators. Neither are they. And we, yeah, <laughs> true. But they, they uh, you know, we took an oath to govern, be a part of government. And uh, the governor has essentially shut out the legislature and not told us to go sit on the bench. But And we'll, I'll put you in the game later, but he's told us to go sit in the bleachers. Uh, we're not even in the game. And I think for any legislator to say, I don't want to be involved, I want the governor running the state, is an abdication of their oath that they took to represent their constituents. Uh, you may not want to sign the lawsuit, fine. But how one can say, I don't want to be a part of the government, I don't want to represent my people, I don't know how a legislator can say that. All right, Robert, so I'll it, let you jump in. I know you and I yeah, talked about yeah. that. And, Look, I, I've got a couple of questions for you, Dan. You're an elected state rep uh, uh, pending your uh, getting, uh, becoming a senator you know, in January, meaning you're, you are a senator already, essentially. And the head of the Senate, the president of the Senate, um, Hendren, is it Jim Hendren? Is it, is it, right? Yes, uh, correct. He's the governor's nephew. The governor's nephew. His job, he was elected within that body to one position, president of the Senate. Now, remember, the president of the United States, Trump, says, I'm elected president of the U.S., so I don't represent France or Germany. And that was a clear contrast to how Obama thought he was president of the world, and he diminished the role of the U.S. Well, here you have the president of the Arkansas State Senate saying, you know what? Let's have the state Senate sit on the sidelines. Wait, what? Your only job is to represent the state Senate, and your position is let's not do anything? Um, I'm wondering if there's any coincidence between that view and the fact that he happens to be, as you just mentioned, the nephew of the governor, meaning the nephew of the other branch that doesn't want the legislature involved. I think the, that the current president of the Arkansas State Senate seems to have some dual loyalty going on here. Is he loyal to the Senate, or is he loyal to the governor? That's my question. Well, here's well, what's... A, let me just jump ahead, in Dave. here real quick. And yeah. uh, Out of the article, uh, the Speaker of the House and the Leader of the Senate, President Pro Tem Jim Hendren, said yesterday that they did not believe a majority of uh, lawmakers would vote to overturn the governor's emergency decision. I guess we're supposed to just take that at face value because you guys don't get to vote on it. So who knows what the majority of legislators would vote on if you guys were asked to vote? Well, Dave, uh, interestingly, I have a letter that was sent to the governor with the signatures of 48 House members asking the governor to end the emergency order. And I'll be publishing that, and I'll send that to you shortly. Uh, but 48 members of the House uh, signed a letter asking the, the governor to, to end the emergency back in May. And if I'm right, I got, haven't gotten the letter yet, but there were, I think, a majority of senators back then that signed a very similar letter. Now, I'll get that to you, but I think that's a, uh, a stretch to say the majority do. And, again, I would just wonder, do the majority of the – Members of the legislature abdicate their responsibility to be a part of the solution. And let's make a clear distinction here, too, Dave. You know, ending the emergency 
people say, well, if we end the emergency, the 40 or so directives that the Department of Health has has um, put out all go away. Well, that's that's true. However, the secretary of the Department of Health has emergency rulemaking power. Now, this is separate and apart from the emergency. The secretary of health can at any time and in the past could have at any time and at the future can at any time go before the legislature and say, I have an emergency. There is an emergency and I want to promulgate or have a rule reviewed. For example, the governor uh, mentioned telehealth the other day was his first one. Well, I ran telehealth legislation three terms in a row, and the governor never stepped up to help us, never lent the power of the governor's office to pass that. But that's all right. But the Secretary of Health could come before the legislature tomorrow and say, hey, guys, uh, there's some concern that this lawsuit may pass, and, and I want to avoid that, so I want you to review, review an emergency rule allowing for telehealth. Now, to say that the majority of legislators would go against that, I think it's absurd, and I think it's time the people, and the people are standing up and saying, we don't believe it. We want our legislators involved. Well, Hendren went on, by the way, Robert, Hendren went on to say, I think most people understand that doing that, doing that being that the uh, legislature gets involved in this, uh, that that would have some pretty catastrophic consequences. That's a huge statement right there. That's saying you don't trust the legislature to do the right things. Yeah, they don't trust democracy. And, and, and the fact is, the fact is, the ball's in the governor's court. The governor can end all of this immediately. The governor could say, we're going to have the secretary of the Department of Health go before the legislature and pass all the and run all these directives. That would be the democratic process. So the governor, I think uh, the governor made a statement yesterday, or I think it was Jim Hendren that said, all of this is up to the court. Well, it's not. All of this is strictly up to the governor. The governor could end all of this tomorrow by honoring the democratic process. Moreover, there's an important point. I really, it was really incorrect what uh, Hendren said in the press. Where he said, "Well, you're putting this in the hands of the judge." No, you're not, because if your lawsuit wins, Dan, and by your, I mean the many, many people backing your lawsuit as well. If your lawsuit wins, all that means is that it goes back to the legislature. The judge doesn't decide telehealth or immunity or liability. None of those issues are before the judge. The only issue before the judge is whether the legislature gets involved. The only issue before the judge is whether we live in a democratic society or a totalitarian society. So when people tell you, well, we're putting this in the hands of the judges, by the way, does 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 Jim Hendren not recognize the role of the judiciary? But in any event... The claim that the court would be deciding the, the specific underlying issues of the many dictates from the governor's office is simply false. You know I'm a supporter of this governor, but come on, wake up. I think he needs a little, you know, he's got a bit of an echo chamber today, and he needs a little input from the democratic process. Hey Amen. That's you're, exactly right. You're right on it, Rob. That's right. And, and what Dave said is over the overarching uh, message here from the government is uh, we don't trust you. We don't trust you, the people, and therefore 
uh, trust us. We know what's best for you. So we've got the doctors. You don't. We've got the knowledge. You don't. We can predict. We can predict the future. You should trust us. And I, I just, I'm right on with your lawsuit there, Dan. Go get them, man, and um, get involved. You know, the other argument they're using is, and the governor said this again yesterday, he doesn't have time for the legislature to act. Folks, we've been in this for seven months, and we could have, seven months ago, started engaging the legislature. And again, and most importantly, there has always been an emergency rulemaking process. It doesn't take very long. It may take an hour or two or maybe a day, but it doesn't take very long to enact any uh, emergency action that the governor or the secretary of health wants to do. What they want to avoid is any discussion or debate about some of the critical things that are out there. For example, the uh, hydroxychloroquine. You know, Senator Rayford had a great hearing on that the other day. And apparently the executive branch does not want the legislature to get involved in those kinds of discussions. Yeah, they're really they're really scared of that. And I was I watched a little bit of that, Dan, and uh, there were several members of the legislature that were adamantly opposed to that. And they were aggressively opposed to that. Yeah, and that's great. I mean, that's what our that's what our whole system of government is built on is debate, discussion, um, um, you know, switching some, having someone uh, switch over to your side. Uh, yeah, that's a great thing for our government is to have some, some discussion and debate, and I welcome that. It's unfortunate. That's called democracy, uh, and that's how our nation was formed. Uh, so you know, those are the kinds of things we welcome. You know, the Secretary of Health could come to the legislature and say, guys, I want to promulgate or I want to have reviewed telehealth. And the legislature could say, okay, we're going to put your rule in effect, and we're going to come back in 30 days. We're going to have hearings. We're going to test it. But while your rule is in effect, we will study it. So there's so many different options out there. And for uh, the executive branch and others to argue that we don't have time to do this, it's just a false argument. Um, you know, Dave, I asked the health department the other day for the, uh, the data that shows that quarantining someone who has been within six feet of someone who has been with six feet, where's the data that that suggests that works? In other words, if I'm, if Robert is close to you within six feet of you for 15 minutes and you get a positive test, then Robert has to quarantine. If I'm within six feet of Robert for 15 minutes, then I have to quarantine because I was close to Robert who was close to you. I want to see the data where that's effective. Just show me. And if it is, then, you know, I'll agree. If it's not, then let's see if our plans work. But you hear all the time, this is based on science. It's based on science. It's based on science. Okay, well, show me the data of the science that supports the actions you're taking. And show us the science that's on the other side of the coin as yeah. well, because they don't, they don't want to show that either. Guys, we've got to get a, I got to get a break in. It's 10 minutes to 8. Stay with us. Dan Sullivan's going to be back. Steve Sender sure. from open, up in Jonesboro going to be back with us along with Robert and Chris when we return. Back for the final segment, State Senator Dan Sullivan is with us, as well as uh, Robert Steinbach and Chris Corbett. Uh, is the governor saying anything about the CDC report, Dan, that said well, that not 90% of the people who have uh, COVID-19 are not spreaders? 
that's what I've heard, and I think we're very selective in the CDC guidelines that we follow and don't follow. You know, but if the CDC guidelines follow what the, what Arkansas and the administration want to do, we'll cite the CDC. Uh, but go ahead. I'm not real familiar with that. I know you have a little bit of information on it. Well, basically, the, the story that Junior Times came out with the story and the CDC re- uh, released a report saying 90 percent of people who tested positive uh, for COVID did not spread the disease. And of the people who died, uh, it was about 6 percent who died, and they all had serious underlying other medical conditions. Well, that tells me that the cost of shutting down our, our complete economy is way too big uh, with, uh, with what this disease was doing. I mean, I, I just don't get it. I mean, we know more now than we knew at the beginning. I mean, I, I understand at the very beginning they called it novel for a reason. They didn't understand it. But now they're, re, they're understanding it, and it's time to get on with life, folks. You know, the governor at the end of his press conference the other day said people are dying, and it is serious, and people are dying. But, Dave, those people were citizens, and, and the, their local legislators, those were the, our friends. Those were people we went to church with. Those were people we went to the store with. Those were people our kids went to school with. So to say that the local legislators don't care about the people that are dying, that we don't understand how serious. Those are our friends, Dave, people we know. And that's a little bit insulting for the governor to say, to indicate or imply that we don't care about those people. But as you said, it's time for us to open the economy back up. It's time for us to move forward. It's time to engage the democratic process. You can't wait seven or going on seven months without engaging the legislators uh, so that we can get moving again. Well, the cure is becoming worse than the disease. Well, you know, I've posted that exactly on my Facebook page, and we've got thousands of people who post stories. Uh, You know, we've got a blind couple. Uh, He worked at a factory where blind people could work, and he's been laid off for 10 weeks without pay. Uh, All kinds of stories like that of people that are suffering tremendously. So while I'm sympathetic to the the illness and the disease and understand its seriousness, there's a lot going on. It's time to engage the legislative process. Yeah, I I agree with that wholeheartedly, Dan, and I appreciate that you got this lawsuit going. Uh, Robert, I know you feel the same way. Chris, I know you feel the same way as well. We've got a minute here. Anything, uh, Robert or Chris, that you guys wanted to to add to our discussion at this point? The the outcome of the – the question here is not whether or not we should – keep things closed, open up stores, etc. That that question is not what this litigation is about. This litigation is about who gets to make that decision. One unelected bureaucrat in the Department of Health or the democratic process as represented by the involvement of the legislature. That's all Dan Sullivan, Dan Sullivan's lawsuit is asking. He's saying, hey, I got elected senator. I thought that meant I have a seat at the table. I thought that's what democracy is about. So let me have a seat at the table and convince me that what you're doing is right or and listen to what I have to say, because maybe I have a few ideas. I didn't get elected by a black box. I got elected by the people. <laughs> all right. Got to take a break here. You know, it's good. 
Gotta take a break here. Dan, thank you for joining us. If you can stick around, feel free to sticking around. But uh, Chris and Robert and I will be back here in just a moment. It's the Dave Ellswick Show at 1011 FM, The Answer. Dave Ellswick show for a Friday here in the 6 o'clock hour uh, here at 101.1 FM. The answer, if you listened to the show early, earlier this morning, uh, you know that State Senator Dan Sullivan, uh, Sullivan was on talking about the lawsuit that he's pushing uh, towards the um, Department of Health and trying to get uh, the courts to give us some release. Uh, or relief so that the legislature can uh, use their vested, duly given to them powers uh, from the people of Arkansas to help make these decisions about shutting down the state. Robert Steinbach and Chris Corbett are my guests for the next half hour. And, uh, you know, Robert, before we go on to some other subjects, try to explain, if you can, to the listener uh, that this is really ju- this is about co-equal branches of government. And right now, uh, the governor and the uh, Department of Health are not allowing that to happen. Well, that's exactly right, Dave. Here, We're not talking about whether or not the governor's orders or the Department of Health's orders uh, are the best way to do things. Not at all. In fact, as you know, Dave, I tend to be more on the uh, conservative, I don't mean that politically, but more concerned about social distancing and masks and this kind of thing. So that's why I personally decide not to go out to stores and this kind of thing unless I really have to. But that's my choice to make. And so the governor and the Department of Health has put out a series of edicts over the last seven months. That's a long time. That's a long time. And the legislature, many members of the legislature said, hey, why haven't we been called up? We meet every other year. But if something big is going on, the governor's role is to call us back up. Unfortunately, the way the system is set up, they can't call themselves up right now. Maybe we should change that in the future. But so, hey, hello, governor, call us up. We're, we're available to engage in the democratic process. And yet the, the governor doesn't call him up. And here's really the bigger problem. The president of the Senate, Jim Hendren, says, yeah, we'll just sit on the sidelines. Wait, what? Wait, what? You yeah, were elected to represent that body, and your response is, we're not interested? Mm, I don't know how you're representing that body that well. Yeah, that, that's a really concerning statement from the pro tem when he said, and uh, let me let me quote him. I want to I want to quote him on this. Uh, he, he said Thursday that 
and this is in the uh, Dem gas, that they did not believe a majority of lawmakers would vote to overturn the governor's emergency declaration. Quote, I think most people understand that doing that, that is calling the legislature legislature back in the session, would have some pretty catastrophic consequences. Say what? How can it? How can it be catastrophic if they're not go if the legislature is going to endorse what the governor is doing? You can't have it both ways. Moreover, wouldn't that be wonderful? Wouldn't the governor love to have the endorsement of the democratic most democratic branch of government, little D of course, in which the, the legislature says, Yes, we agree with you. So if Jim Hendren is correct that a majority would not overturn the governor's edict. What's the problem? You got to pay for lunch? Is that the problem? Is it parking? What exactly is the problem here? Rob, it's the oldest play in the political playbook on both sides of the aisle. It's fear. Be scared is what they're saying. And to the educated folks that want to in the people that want to be in the know, they're saying, hey, we don't trust you. We don't trust you to make your own decisions, Rob. We don't trust that you're going to take uh, precautions when you go to the store. We know more than you. And it goes right back to what hard evidence do we have? Just like Dan Sutherland was saying, what evidence do we have? It's been seven months now. Can we call the experts in in front of a legislative body to testify? Let's do it. Let's do it. Don't be scared. Americans are tough. We're going to win. We're going to beat this. Don't be scared. That's that's what people need to be thinking. Well, you can't you can't you can't beat it if they don't let you be part of the process. And well, the only way right. the, it's the right. only the only way that the people are part of the process process is if their legislators are involved. It's outrageous. It's outrageous, Dave. Just on the face of it, it's just like really you don't want us involved. You don't want the people involved. You don't want the legislators. Oh, we just have to sit back. And let the governor make all the decisions. Oh, okay, we uh, we'll trust you. No, we don't. We don't trust you. So I, I think we got to get involved in the lawsuits. The way to do it, call the and the governor's not going to call the legislature. He doesn't want the legislature making any decisions. It's outrageous. All right, so let's change subjects a little bit. Robert sent me a uh, a story I want us to get into. Earlier today in the six o'clock hour, I had Whitney Davis on. Used to be part of my youth panel that I had on my show, and I just might go back to doing that uh, again. I have to identify some youth to have on the air. But uh, we talked with her, and she lives out in Seattle, and she was living for many months in the belly of the beast out there in the Capitol Hill area. That's where CHOP was all happening, and she saw it all up close. And she has recoiled from it and wants nothing to do with it. And uh, let me just read the story for everybody. The Black Law Students Association at the University of San Diego School of Law is calling for campus administrators to train and post diversity officers in classrooms to observe and report bias and other disparaging actions against students of color. According to an open letter from the USD Black Law Students Association, 
these diversity officers would be charged with watching classrooms and reporting incidents or conduct they consider questionable or discriminatory. Quote, as black law students, we are privileged with the opportunity to pursue a legal education and seek membership to the legal profession. However, we are not immune to the oppression that is inexplicably linked to our blackness. The group states in their six-page letter to the University of San Diego law faculty and students. Now, I'm going to just tell you, Nikita Khrushchev, if you don't know that name, do your history, go Google it. That's what he started off doing in the Communist Party, going in and watching to make sure that the, uh, you know, the... uh, Intelligentsia was following along with party rules. This is dangerous stuff, guys. It is, Dave. You're right on it. He hit it right on the head, which is what the communists did was they made sure they had a, quote, political officer, end quote, in every context on submarines, uh, in meetings. Everywhere you went, there was a, quote, political officer, end quote, who was a Communist Party member who would make sure that everybody toted the communist line. Yeah, the and party so, line. Yeah, literally. And what's going on here, they borrowed these tactics, not by accident, Dave. This is not a coincidence. Oh, I know. Oh, look what we discovered. They have taken the communist handbooks and said, let's do that. So if you think this is by coincidence, communist like, no. It's by design. Yeah, that's just, this is, you know, I, I, I mentioned a couple of years ago that we were starting to tread on very thin and dangerous ice. And now I'm beginning to believe that we've fallen in the cold water. And if we don't watch out, hypothermia is going to set in and we're all and, and freedom, as we know, it's going to be dead uh, in this country. Let me. Let me share a story with you real quickly about that. You know, Reagan used to say, it, you know, freedom can die in one generation and that we have to be vigilant about it. My grandson found a book that I had in my closet of Ringling, Barnum and Bailey Circus. And he was looking at it and he was his eyes just were aglow. His eyes were just sparkling as he looked at the elephants and the camels and the, and the cats and all of that. And he started asking me these questions about uh, the circus. And my heart was breaking because I can't take him to the circus anymore because the cancel culture has gotten rid of it. Yeah. Think about that. You know, Reagan used to say, you know, we don't want a future where we sit down with our grandchildren and tell them what was. We want to continue to be able to sit down with our grandchildren and tell them what is. And we're getting more into the what was than the what is now. And that is dangerous. Amen, brother. That's the problem. That's the problem is that. 
We have this, not we, there are groups in American society that have decided you're not allowed to think what you think, you're not allowed to say what you think, and you're not allowed to have your own opinion if it doesn't follow the extreme leftist orthodoxy. And the citizens of Arkansas have said, no dice. By the way, that's one of the reasons that Dan Sullivan beat his opponent in the primary. Yes. Because his opponent was a corporate yes man. And I don't mean corporate as in corporations, albeit that perhaps is a part of it. But he basically did what he was told. Well, we don't want elected officials to do what they're told by other powerful groups. We want elected officials to do what they're told by the people. And that's why democracy works. It's because democracy reflects the will of the people. How can we have the will of the people when the legislature is not being called back up into session during a seven-month ongoing emergency? Call them up. Call up the legislature. That they keep saying is an emergency, and I have questioned whether it really is an emergency. That's the inherent conflict of the position. If it is an emergency and it's going on for seven months, you've got plenty of time to call up the legislature and get to work. If it's not an emergency, then what's the problem? Then you don't need then you are indeed not empowered to be putting out edicts at all. So you can't either way, the legislature either needs to be involved or there should be no emergency actions by one branch of government excluding the other democratic branch of government in terms of lawmaking. Rob, you're on it. The governor doesn't want the judicial branch involved. The governor doesn't want the legislature involved. The government wants to put the fear into the people and to, to, to cause them to do nothing while he makes these crazy decisions of shutting down businesses, wearing masks, mandating them. It's, we're just we're a few weeks away from, from cops beating people up with, with sticks for not wearing a mask. I mean, it's, it's it's got to be it's got to be checks and balances. Checks that's, and balances. That's, that's baby. exactly right. That's what that's what uh, the federal constitution and the state constitution is all about. Seventeen minutes mm-hmm. after eight, here on the uh, not eight. It's six o'clock. Sorry, we're recording this just so everybody knows we're recording. Look out this. the window, Dave. It's dark. Yeah, I'm trying. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to. I'm trying to figure. You know feel that way i just happen to look at my clock and i see and i go oh i gotta get a break in i don't have to get a break in exactly right now i just i just want i just want everybody to understand that there's this is a very serious discussion that's going on your voice is being silenced in 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 government here in the state of arkansas that's not good you know, Dave, in the article about this lawsuit, there was this question, who's donating to this cause? We need to see the list yeah. of donations. By the way, I don't care if the list is revealed or not revealed. As it turns out, I have not donated any money to the cause as of yet, largely because I'm extremely tight-fisted, and, I, and I'm not going to separate uh, a dollar from my wallet. Uh, but all joking aside, I have not actually donated to the cause. <clears throat> but if there is an issue as to whether... People, citizens of Arkansas, are donating in terms of going pro-democracy, in terms of having all branches of government involved. Well, maybe I can take some of that issue 
out of the discussion because I will announce on your show right now, Dave, that Chris and I will represent the group that you're involved in if they need it. We haven't been asked, but we will represent for free the group that you're involved with so that we can take this issue uh, as to who's donating money. All right. Got to get a break, guys. Yep. Okay. I know you're on on a rant, Robert. We'll come back. (laughs) Keep it up. We'll pick you up. Chris, we'll pick you up. It's the Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, The Answer. On our uh, final segment with uh, Chris and uh, Rob, Robert uh, Steinbach and Chris Corbett, coming up bottom of the hour after the news, we'll be talking to Matt Smith. He'll tell us just so you can do something over the holiday uh, weekend coming up, what new movies are playing, what what new movies are out at the theater. I'm, I want to get out and see Tenet this weekend uh, when I can. Did you guys hear about this private security firm in Seattle? They were hired to go into Cal Anderson Park, which has been closed since June 30th and uh, was cleared uh, uh, to make uh, repairs to a field house damaged in the protest. During a search of several tents, officers and park staff found the following. A machete, a hatchet, shields, and homemade spike strips. Uh, the city hired the Jaguar security firm to station guards at the park to keep people off the property from 8 p.m. to 6 a.m. Ricky McGee, the company's owner, said he went to the park with two armed security guards and immediately encountered a group, some of whom were armed with poles and sticks. I went there to make sure as the owner of the company that nothing serious would go down. I wanted to make sure everything was going to be cool. As soon as we entered that park, they started verbally attacking us, calling us all kinds of names like sellouts and blah, 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 and what they would do to us. Someone also shined a bright light at McGee and his employees that made it hard to identify who they were. He disputed media reports that he was chased out of the park, but he did say... Police were instructed to walk to the sidewalk and wait for officers. A video shows three security guards walking toward the street as people, mostly wearing black, that would say Antifa, shouting at them. The guards were armed but not looking for a fight. They were seasoned, were not trying to go to jail. Jaguar security did not return to the park on Wednesday. They said, we don't need this crap. But think about that. They went to tents, found machetes, hatchets. They had made their own, uh, you know, uh, stick uh, plates where you put, you know, big tenpenny nails through wood and throw it out on the street so when a car runs over it, it'll make the, the tire go flat. These are dangerous people. And, yeah. and, no, and nobody's, yeah, nobody's arresting them. Come on. We can't have a country without law and order. It just blow, uh, it just blows my mind. I'm just telling you. You've got to you've got to check these people's behavior. Period. And if we need to call in the National Guard, do it now. 82nd Airborne. It, it, it's got to the, the the disruption uh, to law and order is an attack on the very fabric of our society. And there's no other way to look at it. I agree with you wholeheartedly, Robert. We've got about uh, 
two minutes left. What do you say? This is the the more you allow for isolation and a non-democratic process in government in general, this is what you wind up for, wind up with rather. We need the police on the streets. And so when you see places like Portland, where they say, well, the police can't, we're not going to allow the police to do their jobs. What do you get? You get violence. Right. So we, the people, need to exert our influence by telling our legislators, our mayors, our governors that we want to have control of our society, not unelected bureaucrats, not people who are trying to overthrow government. We need to return to normalcy. And we have too many disparate efforts of uh, individuals of communist-like groups, and I mean that. Oh, he's using hyperbole. No, I mean literally communist-like groups. Yeah. Let's call them for, call bureaucrats. them for what they are. Call them for what they are. They're yeah, Bolsheviks. Right. They're Bolsheviks. That's right. They're yep. full of Bolshevik, is what they are. Well, and they consider this very brief thought experiment, just for a moment. What would you do? If you had no consequences to your actions, if you literally thought you could not get caught and nothing would happen to you, would you rob a bank? Would you throw a brick through a store? What would you do? If you if you think there's no consequences to your actions, what's what's society at large going to do? We could be reduced to uh, hatchets and axes. Uh, it's it's a scary thing. I agree, and with that, Chris, we'll call it a day with you and Robert. Great segments today on the Dave Ellswick Show. I appreciate you guys being part of the show today. Have a great Labor Day weekend, gentlemen. Thank you, Dave. All right, we'll talk to you later. Uh, News is coming up, and then when I get back, Matt Smith will join me. We'll talk about what's going on at the movies. More movie theaters are opening. There's more movies out there to go see. Final uh, couple segments on the Dave Ellswick Show today. It is Labor Day weekend. That's typically a big weekend in the movie-making business. And uh, not so much this year because of COVID-19. However, movie theaters are are opening back up. Now, uh, the uh, VIP cinemas here in central Arkansas in Hot Springs, in uh, Little Rock, in uh, Cabot, in... Uh, Searcy up in uh, 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 Benton, not Bentonville, uh, Batesville, Batesville uh, have all been open now for months and you could go to the movies. Uh, but we're starting to see new product now, probably the main product that has come out that everybody was like stoked for earlier in the year was this new movie from Chris Nolan called Tenet. And uh, it was released, for the most part, on Monday. And I think its real release date was like today, but they've been showing it early. How, how's it going uh, uh, there, our friend Matt Smith, who joins us here on the Dave Ellswick Show? Uh, are people being drawn into the theaters to see this movie? Yes, yes. Uh, you know, we started playing it Monday. And, you know, like you said, uh, we've been open since May the 18th. So right. we've been open for four months. Uh, but we started playing Tenet Monday night. People have been coming to check it out. And, of course, you know, your hardcore Chris Nolan fans are going to be out first. Uh, we're playing on multiple screens at all of my locations. Uh, so plenty of seats are available. Uh, plenty of social distancing is available. 
Uh, plenty of showtimes are available. Uh, so Tenants On, people are enjoying it. It's a good film, PG-13. Um, obviously, Chris Nolan's new one, big budget film, uh, $200 million, uh, making the movie. And it is definitely something that um, you need to see on a big screen with optim- optimal sound. It is a uh, blockbuster, tentpole, huge movie in any way, shape, or form you can describe something like that. Uh, very intriguing. And, you know, what's great about Christopher, Christopher Nolan's films is, you know, like this film, it is a new concept. It is not based on a book, novel, TV show, comic book, or other movie. Uh, it is something totally original. And, you know, he can command a $200 million budget on an original film. Not a lot of directors can do that. Yeah, uh, I mean, Tenet is a huge, massive, mind-blowing experience. There's no doubt about it. I'm going to go see it over the Labor Day weekend. I I will be at the theater to see that. I I have been, I'm a big Chris Nolan fan. Have been ever since he did Memento uh, years ago. I mean, he just gets it about movies. <coughs> and you're right. He comes up with new concepts. I mean. I guess the, the 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 movies that he did that used old old uh, storyline an old storyline but was presented in a brand new way was the Dark Knight series. No one has made uh, uh, superhero movies better than Christopher Nolan did with that uh, that three film arc that he did uh, early uh, earlier on in his career. Those are great. Obviously, I also love Inception, but hey, Dunkirk yeah. and, uh, you know, Dunkirk also. You know, yes, Memento's good, but uh, Inception and Dunkirk are two of my favorites from him. Uh, Tenet is tremendous. Uh, you mentioned Labor Day weekend that we're running matinees as well as late night shows uh, today and, of course, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday because of the holiday. A lot of people off work Monday and, you know, out of school. Yeah, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be over there probably on uh, if not if not Saturday then Monday Sunday I've got something planned but uh, Saturday or Monday Saturday afternoon I may come over but there's new movies opening <coughs> as well bring those bring those to us right now well of course we've got Tenant uh, Tenant is brand new this week uh, we are still playing the New Mutants. Uh, which came out last Friday uh, from 20th Century Fox, and you know it's based on the X-Men comic book series. Bill and Ted Face the Music, which is uh, part three of the Bill and Ted Adventures. It uh, it follows, um, of course, uh, Excellent Adventure, which was the first one, and Bogus Journey. Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey was the second one. Yeah, so let me jump. Hey, Bill let and- me jump in to say, yeah. Happy Birthday, Keanu Reeves. Today's his 56th birthday. <laughs> Uh, Bill and Ted Face the Music on this weekend. Uh, of course, we still have uh, The Personal History of David Copperfield. That's playing. Brand new film. Uh, Words on Bathroom Walls, also playing this week. New movie. And Unhinged with Russell Crowe, which is a new movie. That's also playing. Now, you can catch Tenet, Bill and Ted Face the Music, The New Mutants, Words on Bathroom Walls, and unhinged at all of my locations. Uh, and then in addition to that, we have a cool independent film called Centigrade that is playing at Riverdale 10. Uh, but the other films, Tenet, The New Mutants, 
uh, Unhinged, Words on Bathroom Walls, and Bill and Ted Face the Music are available in Little Rock, Searcy, Cabot, Batesville, and Hot Springs. And, of course, Riverdale10.com is our website in Little Rock. Uh, come, go, go there to pick up your, your tickets at Riverdale10, Riverdale10.com. Uh, all movie tickets are just $5 uh, on Tuesday, uh, day and night, all movies, all seats, every Tuesday uh, at all locations. And on Wednesday, you get a free bag of popcorn with every ticket purchased. That's on Wednesday. we got all kinds of other cool welcome back um, concession specials going. Uh, we've got some candy that's a dollar. Uh, we have nachos that are three dollars. Uh, we're doing a regular bag of popcorn for just five dollars. So a lot of uh, a lot of concession specials to uh, to check out. And of course, you know we serve beer and wine at all of our locations. And we have a full food menu with chicken tenders and pretzels and cheese sticks and uh, toasted ravioli and, you know, desserts, including pie, just about anything you would want. Check us out at Riverdale10.com in Little Rock. Of course, in Searcy, we're SearcyCinema.com. In uh, Hot Springs, it is HotspringsVIP.com. If you're in Dave Ellswick's hometown, it's Cabot, CabotVIPCinema.com. So if you're stalking down Dave Ellswick, you know where to find him this weekend. And uh, in Batesville, it is oaksvipcinema.com. So we'll be sure to check that out and, you know, stop by Tuesday for a $5 movie ticket. You know, Wednesdays get you a free bag of popcorn. And then, of course, uh, all of those uh, dollar candy specials and, you know, $3 nachos happening every day at all locations. Well, I'm sitting here looking at your, the website in Cabot. Okay. And uh, I'm excited because let me just run through some things for the moviegoers out here. Coming up on uh, 925, Greenland will open, and that's a new one with uh, Gerard Butler. It's going to be a big uh, disaster movie. Looks like a fun one to go see. As we get a roll into October, the 2nd of October, it's Wonder Woman 1984. On the 16th of uh, October, the new Candyman comes out that looks exceptional. Everything I've seen of it looks good. Uh, coming on the 23rd of October, Death on the Nile. They've remade Agatha Christie's uh, book into a new movie again. And then in November, two really, really big moves coming. Black Widow opens on November 6th. And then on November 20th, just a brand-new trailer dropped just the other day. The last of the Daniel Craig James Bond movies, No Time to Die. And that title evidently is indicative of who uh, the villain's going to be. And it looks like it may be a return to Dr. No. He didn't really die in Dr. No is what they're saying. And it uh, looks like Dr. No is back. So, And he's out to destroy the world again. And Bond's got to stop him. That, yes, those are coming up. And, I mean, you know, we've got some other things coming, too. On uh, September the 11th, next Friday, we'll have the Broken Hearts Gallery, which is a new film from uh, Sony, Sony Films. That starts on the 11th. Um, and then on uh, September the 16th, a Wednesday, we have a new movie from Bleecker Street Distribution called Secrets We Keep. Uh, that's on the 16th. And on the 18th, uh, we'll have a new movie called The Nest from IFC Features. Uh, so there's some other stuff coming up for uh, for people to come and, and, and check out. Um, 
you know, it'll be nice to get Broken Hearts Gallery in there on the 11th. That is a PG-13, cool little romantic comedy. Um, and, you know, we don't have one of those playing right now, so it'll be nice to get that on uh, coming up on the 11th. And then um, uh, The Nest uh, comes up on the 18th, and that stars Jude Law. So uh, some other films oh, coming like in there. Jude but yeah. Law. Yes, yes. From here on out, we'll have, uh, you know, uh, new movies every Friday. Uh, you know, from here on, uh, coming into coming into the cinemas. So, uh, you know, something for people to look forward to, and, and definitely come out and take advantage of the five dollar tickets on Tuesday, and those uh, you know steeply discounted concession specials for just a dollar or two. Yeah, the Absolutely. nest. Just for everybody to know, life for an entrepreneur and his American family begin to take a twisted turn after he moves into an English country manor. And it's a, a, a drama that's going to be opening here uh, in the in the very near future. Stars Jude Law, Carrie Coon, Anne Reed. Uh, those are the three main actors that are going to be in this movie. And you know, Jude Law's in it. Count me in. I'm for it. I'm all about it. I'm hoping that he and Robert Downey Jr. decide to do another Sherlock Holmes movie. I hear that Guy Ritchie's been talking to him. I sure hope that they come up with a new one. Wouldn't you like great, to see that? It was a great movie. The two of them together was wonderful. Yeah, yeah, The Nest is out on September 18th. Okay, so that's not far down the road either. I'll go see it just because Jude Law is it. He, I think he's an incredibly good uh, actor, and it'd be fun to see him back on the big screen again. But you got some movies playing this weekend that people just got to go out and see. I mean, uh, Bill and Ted are back, and that's gotten really, really good reviews. People have really liked it who have gone to see it. Uh, the New Mutants has gotten pretty doggone good reviews. I'm kind of surprised since it was put off for like two years from being uh, uh you know, put out, well, and it, uh, it, it went out. It's come out, and people really wanted to see it. Yes, I mean, it got caught in the crossfire of uh, Walt Disney Pictures buying 20th Century Fox, and so when that takeover happened, a lot of film dates got reshuffled, uh, and and New Mutants kind of became a, a victim of that. And then it was supposed to actually come out back in the spring. And then, of course, it uh, got postponed because of, you know, the China virus that attacked us from Wuhan. So, uh, <laughs> you know, that's, that's been the situation with the humidity. But it's kind, of a, it's kind of a Marvel Cinematic Universe take on a horror movie, if you will. Yeah. Um, and the people watching it have, have enjoyed that. It is very different from your standard Marvel movie. Um, the people coming out to check it out, you know, obviously some pent up demand to see that movie. Uh, they've enjoyed it. And have you have you seen Unhinged with Russell Crowe? Have you seen I, that? I have not. I you know I had this operation here in That's the middle right. uh, in the middle of the month and of August, and I just haven't been able to get out this weekend. I can, and I'm I'm ready just to get out. To well, you got, you've got to you. see Tenet. You've got to. And and I tell you. You will enjoy Unhinged. I know you like Russell Crowe. I know you yep. like action films. But it is – both of those films are surprisingly quick. Uh, the Unhinged starts, boom, it happens, and they run right through it. It is very much rapid-paced, edge-of-your-seat type of type of movie. Oh, good. And then Tenet, 
my recommendation for that would be go in there, watch it, do not try to figure it out. <laughs> you, 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 you can't. You can't. You, you might be able to figure it out maybe the third time you watch it. I gotcha. But you're not going to figure it out the first time you watch it. And, right. you know, there's some people that, that, that well, may be. Hold your, um, hold, your, hold your thought on it. Okay. We'll come gotcha. back and talk about it. i got to get a break in. Let's do that. Uh, a, a break here on the Dave Ellswick Show, and then our final segment coming your way here on 101.1 FM, The Answer. All right, final segment of the Dave Ellswick Show. It is Memorial Day weekend. It is time to go out and see yourself a motion picture. There are plenty of new product out there to go see. Uh, Head out to the VIP Cinema in Hot Springs. Uh, Go and and see it here in in Little Rock at the VIP Cinema, right down at the bottom of Cantrell Hill. You'll want to go to the VIP Cinema in Cabot. That's where I'll be going. VIP Cinema in uh, Searcy the Hill, VIP Cinema in Batesville. All of those places are going to be showing Tenet. Make sure you see Tenet. It's a... The new Nick, the new uh, Christopher Nolan movie, but I, I also want to catch uh, Unhinged, and I also want to catch the Mutant film, and I also want to catch Bill and Ted. There's a lot of good stuff that I need to go out and catch, uh, 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 Matt. And people got the opportunity this weekend to go do it, and you got some great, some great uh, specials. That three dollar uh, special you got as far as uh, eating at the theater. Uh, with your cheese and your and your nachos, uh, sounds pretty good to me. And the people are always good about how many jalapenos they give you. <laughs> well, we we've got some candy on for a dollar, uh, and and you know movies on Tuesday five dollars for all movies, all seats uh, at all locations. And when you walk in on Wednesday, they give you a free bag of popcorn. So we got a lot of specials going. Uh, discounts on the concessions uh, and everything to welcome people back to the movies. And, of course, the good thing is we've got a lot of new movies now for people to choose from, you know, to come out and enjoy themselves. Now, we were talking about Tenet. Yes. And, and you know, it is, it is like I said, don't try to figure the thing out. You need to just go in there when you watch it this weekend. Just let it wash over you. Just enjoy it. Uh, let, you know, let it happen. Don't try to Don't try to grasp the concept, okay, on the first viewing. And there's a lot of people that I think are just maybe new to Christopher Nolan, and they've come to check the movie out, uh, and 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 they've they've come out and kind of asked us questions about the sound and stuff, you know. Uh-huh. Uh huh. There's some parts in the film where uh, you can hear the dialogue, right, which is intentional, so that you don't know uh, what the characters are saying to each other. Uh, there is there is a part where a character leans in uh, to to whisper. An important, an important thing to to the other character, but as an audience member, you don't get to hear that. <laughs> yeah. So, so the way the sound mix goes and how that's all in there, it's supposed to con you. It's supposed to freak you out. It's supposed to keep you from knowing the next thing, right? Right. So, so you know, it, it, it's part of the Chris, it, it's part of the Christopher Nolan experience, really, and and I think that's kind of got people. Uh, the sound on this movie is just just incredible. Uh, the way they've done the sound mix and and the explosions and all the tech that's going into the thing. Well, it is they most use definitely a they big use screen a, experience. They use a ton of of reverse photography in it. Yes, yes, it is much much um, dissecting the the time travel phenomenon in this movie. The actions there, the storyline is there. 
uh, exotic locales, uh, top-rate acting, incredible special effects. Tenet is a big screen experience, no doubt about it. No okay, doubt. Okay, so uh, they had the movie, what was it, uh, Ku Klux Klansman or whatever that was, and I'm trying to think of the other, but uh, this is this is Denzel Washington's son yes. that's starring in this motion picture, and I'm hearing this movie's going to make him a superstar. Yes, now he started in Black Klansman, which was directed by uh, Spike Lee, came out last right. year. He started in that. But, you know, he has the recurring role on Ballers, which is the uh, – the, the sports uh, series about pro football on um, HBO. You know, it's a, a scripted series, and, and, and some would say got a lot of comedy in it. And he has had a lead role on that with The Rock uh, for the past four or five years, which is, which is a great series on HBO. I've watched it, but I, I, I think he's a tremendous actor. Um, and, I, you know, I believe he's already a star. So, you know, yes, I mean, absolutely. He's tremendous in this film, no doubt, no doubt about it. Yeah, he's in Ballers. He was uh, a producer of the Book of Eli. If you mm-hmm. remember that, that his father was in that motion picture. Uh, Black Klansman, All Rise, uh, another one, Monsters and Men, and uh, one last one. Where was it? There was another one that I wanted to mention. You know, he had a part in, in uh, Malcolm X, but that was when he was a kid. But the bottom line is uh, he's an up-and-comer, big up-and-comer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we're we're seeing a lot now about No Time to Die, the new James Bond movie. That comes mm-hmm. out in November. Uh, we hadn't seen hardly anything at all about it for the last six months. Now they know, and we know that they're going to bring it out in, in November, and it's going to be a huge motion picture uh, at the theaters again. It sounded like we lost Matt. Matt, did we lose you? It sounded yes, like it we looks lost like him. he did. Okay, I well, hope that he'll call back here so we can get him in the last couple of minutes. But I just wanted to let you know that this the, the whole uh, uh, movie, the new James Bond movie, looks exceptional. Uh, watching the trailer, it looks really, really good. The other movie that looks really, really good uh, and you're going to begin seeing more and more about it, is the new one. All right, Matt's with, back. With Gadot and uh, Wonder Woman 1984. I'm looking forward to this movie. Uh, they, they really got me for that movie, uh, Matt, when I was watching the trailer, and she uses her her uh, the uh, the lasso of truth and, and hooks herself to a lightning bolt. Now, that's oh, a superhero when you can ride a lightning bolt. I'm just telling you. <laughs> hey, it, it's there. You know, you talk about Black Widow, No Time to Die, Wonder Woman 1984. There's some tremendous films coming up to finish out 2020. And, hey, we're long overdue. You know, it's time. There's no doubt about it. It's time. Yeah, really. Right, okay. Some great films. November 2. All right. We're out of time. Uh, go and see a movie at one of the VIP cinemas, whether it's Hot Springs and right here in Little Rock or over in uh, in Cabot or Searcy or up in Batesville and enjoy some of this new material that's out. Enjoy the breaks on food and candy. And, Matt, I'll talk to you next Friday here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Thank you. We'll let Matt go. I'll talk to you again on Tuesday. I'm off on Monday. It's Labor Day Tuesday with Elizabeth Soltolaro.